welcome to another episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast, or actually, I should say, the Moving Forward Podcast. <clears throat> I was about to say I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research, but today, this show isn't about me, <laughs> and I'll introduce my guests. I'll let uh, I'll let my wife, Jennifer, take over, but we have something new and exciting planned. Thank you, John. Yes, I am Jennifer. I am John's wife, also known as the host of the Moving Forward talk show. And uh, we've been excited and thinking about starting this little talk show for quite some time. And today, John just wants to sort of let all of his listeners know what we have going on. Right. It's so exciting to have you all on here and kick this thing off. Uh, a few years ago, I had the Free and Clear podcast with Naomi Wright, and I really enjoyed that. But I'll be honest, I'm not female, so it's very <laughs> it's very difficult for me to talk about the female topics. And so um, I'd like to introduce the hosts of the Moving Forward podcast, which will go on the Free and Clear uh, podcast website on the free and clear download on your spotify or your apple and we have as as i mentioned my wife jennifer and uh, christy who everybody remembers from my old seek the truth website years ago i'll, I'll let christy <laughs> come forward and and give an introduction hi um i'm christy it's been several years since i've been on seek the truth and lots has changed um so I am excited to be here and be a part of this podcast to help the next group of people leaving the message understand that there's something that we're moving forward to. And last but not least, Emily, who has been our sidekick for, gosh, how many years is it now, Emily? I'll, I'll never forget you coming here and going to the music store and entertaining us around the town here in Jeffersonville because we <laughs> we do this thing that we do and we don't we don't get out of the house very much and you took us and showed us around the town and what year was that hey John I don't know what year that was but I think the first time we met was in 2012 when I was passing through the area raising support to go overseas and then probably came over maybe 2016 2017 and that's when we went to the music store and did all of our adventures and took some fun little photos around town that made Jennifer cringe and had a, <laughs> had a good, good old time. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been so many years. It's like my life has changed so much since then. And I honestly, back in 2012, whenever all of this began, I had no idea that I would be doing it as long as I was. Honestly, I thought I would, you know, dig into William Branham and I would find a few, you know, jaw-dropping things and everybody would flee in mass droves because it was a scam and there was <laughs> there was enough to make it a scam. And then it kept going and I kept finding stuff and more stuff and more stuff. And honestly, sometime, due the last year, the year before, I decided... I'm done. I could keep finding stuff. There, <laughs> there's so many problems with it. <clears throat> but um, anyway, to uh, back to the topic at, at hand for this, we're kicking off the new Free and Clear Moving Forward podcast. And maybe if you all could just give a little bit of uh, a little bit about what the show will be about whenever we officially launch it. So <clears throat> the vision for the moving forward talk show is to conversationally demonstrate how that people can leave what you like to call this thing <laughs> and uh, we can live rich lives we can there can be lots of uh, healing um, you can just keep moving forward life will go on healing will happen and there's restoration um, people people thrive it's not that you leave and suddenly your life ends. You have no more friends ever for the rest of your life and you um, don't get to do anything fun anymore because um, we have found that you can have a great life even after you leave this thing. Unless, like me, you're locked in the basement because, you know, I've got the wife upstairs who's got the honeydew list up there. <laughs> but all that aside, it, it's a great idea and... You know, there's an element to this that 
my website is just missing. I do the history and as funny as it may sound to the listeners, I still get triggered very easily by a lot of this thing that we escaped. I, I've referred to to as this thing, so I don't have to think about it. But <clears throat> there's also the female aspect and me not being a woman. I have no idea what it was like. And so the watching you guys and the interactions of what you did in the first episode that I edited, it's it really brings an element that I can't just simply can't do even if i'd have a female guest it's not something i can do <clears throat> but the idea is we will be dropping them on this uh on the youtube channel leaving the message and then it will go on to apple and spotify as the free and clear show and the website free and free and clear show.com listeners can go there and find it but <clears throat> I would like to know one of one of the questions that I've had, and even though we live in the same house, I've not really asked. What is the direction for the show? Where, what kind of episodes do you expect the listeners to have whenever they're downloading the podcast? Well, one thing I want to do is uh, rely a lot on my co-hosts for the things that they're interested in. We've already done that because I had an idea for a topic and they're like, that really doesn't apply to me. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's a horrible topic. So and then we also want to have guests. So anyone who is um, has had a certain amount of time to separate themselves from their high demand religious group and they have had healing and experience success, um, then they they could come and talk to us and we could have a topic. Um, some of the topics we are thinking about doing in the future include um, therapy and why you should do it. <laughs> um, you know, like um, dating, romance, courtship and weddings, what that's like. Um, Christmas. Did you have a tree or not? You know, so and all of this is just just spitballing, right? We Because we want it to be a project that grows and becomes better as we go along with feedback from our listeners and, of course, conversation among ourselves. Yes, we can talk about uh, cigars and whiskey. And uh, well, the first time I had my first cigar, I was a leader at a church retreat overseas. And my British and South African friends, one of them, actually a couple of them were rotational pastors at church. They said, hey, come on over. Have you ever smoked a cigar? We're sitting around fellowshipping and uh, relaxing and smoking cigars. And they had some really nice cigars. And I enjoy that occasionally. And you actually learn there are a lot of Christians that smoke cigars, and there's a lot of freedom in Christ. You're not in a black and white world anymore. So it's, yeah, not only do we escape this thing, um, but we can thrive, and we aren't just all, you know, doomed to misery and despair and all of those things that uh, keeps us fearful in this thing when we start questioning. <laughs> Yeah, I never will forget, you know, leaving this thing and the idea of <laughs> you mentioned whiskey. Well, actually, I mentioned it because you mentioned it in the in the episode that will come out after this one. But <clears throat> in the message, you had this notion that if you even got a little bit on your tongue, you're going to get fallout drunk. That's that's basically the way they portrayed it. <clears throat> and then to. You know, to find out that there are actually Christians in the world who entertain a drink and they do they'll drink to get, you know, a sense of friendship and community. Everybody comes together. It just kind of eases your mind a little bit, but they won't they won't get drunk in in at least the circles that I was in. But I never will forget the first church that we went to after leaving the message. I was extremely down we were going through some really hard times and the one of the ministers asked me uh, called me up and said hey i'm, I'm going to take you out we're going to have a good time <clears throat> and I, I was you know this is a minister i was expecting <clears throat> he was going to take me to some bible study or whatever and he took me to a blues bar and um he's in he was in seminary so he wasn't allowed to drink but he <laughs> he ordered me a drink and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm sitting in front of a minister, and here he is. He's ordered me a drink, and I'm 
at, at this point, I, I still don't like to drink a lot. But at this point, I was like afraid of the stuff. Right. But he took me to see this musician called his name was Hamilton Loomis. And to this day, I still love this musician. And it has that song that he one of the songs that he sang at that blues bar impacted me significantly. It was a song called Give It Back. And basically, it it's the pay it forward concept. You know, I'm going to give it back to the world. Somebody did something good for me. I'm going to do something good for other people. And Really, that's what I see this moving forward podcast as. You know, each one of you have have uh, you know been through been through a lot while you're in this thing, and then you came out of this thing, and now you're helping others. Christy, what's it like getting your mind back into this this after having left the um, the uh, seek the truth back whenever you took over my website? About the same time I met with that pastor, because that was about the time I was extremely down, if I remember right. Your life has changed significantly. What's it like now doing all of this? Yes. So um, coming back to it after being away for so many years has been um, kind of a natural growth of, of where I am in life now. I have a lot more stability. I have a lot more things that I'm working on t- for myself. Um, so I'm in graduate school. I'm still stay at home mom doing all the mom things. Um, but I find myself in this position where I'm kind of in this uh, gap in time with my studies and I have a little bit of extra time to give. Um, I never really stopped keeping up with the research because it was such a huge part of my life. It, leaving a high demand group is still to this day, probably, you know, one of the top most difficult things that I ever went through. And I think that's true for a lot of people that leave. So even as I've stepped away from the group, I've stepped away, you know, geographically from, you know, the circle that I had when I was in the message, um, my, my mind and my interest in knowing and understanding what it was that, that I went through is still there and has been there. Um, so coming back and having the opportunity to help others see that there's there's a progression in our lives, right? We don't stay stagnant in one place for the entirety of our existence. Um, as humans, as people, it's good to grow. It's good to change. It's good to go through different seasons and to explore your interests at, in different periods of your life and different seasons of your life. So um, coming back, having the chance to sit down with uh, with Jennifer and Emily and talk about what it was like in a high demand group, what it's like since leaving a high demand group and the wide variety of experiences that we have um, leaving and at different times. I think all of that is really valuable. Um, and I, I really look forward to to lending my voice to this conversation. And um, really, my goal with the podcast is to um, highlight the diversity that exists in the X message community and in uh, you know the community of people that have left high demand groups because we don't all land in the same place. We land all different places, and sometimes we end up somewhere. 10 years down the road from leaving that we never thought we would a year out of the high demand group. I certainly would not have expected myself to be where I am now, you know, when I was helping you see the truth. So that was such a different time in my life. It's, it's weird. I, I would be so embarrassed to go back and watch some of those videos. Cause I would feel like an absolute <laughs> fool for, you know, acting so confident in what I thought at the time. And now my, my mindset has completely shifted and changed. Um, I think that's normal. And I want people to see that that's normal. Yeah. And I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I've, I've been asked this question many, many times about you and I've actually never answered it. Not once. So today for the first time to the world, I'm going to answer the questions that people ask about you. I, (laughs) I always got the question, why did you do that? Why did you hand it over to Christy? And why did why did you come back right <clears throat> and that whole story i just kind of i i just avoided it for so long but <clears throat> now that you are back i feel like i can let this out a bit but i i i tried to walk away from this several times it isn't something that i really pictured myself doing for very long and 
each time I would walk away from it, there would be somebody who was desperately in need of help. And I've got the personality where if somebody needs help and they're asking me for help, I simply cannot say no. In fact, I, for one of my clients, I had to take this personality test and my altruism category was off the scales so much so that the person giving me the test said, John, you have to be careful. You will literally kill yourself to help somebody else. Do you know this? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of know it. <laughs> but I had tried to walk away from it several times, and I was on the cusp of finding all of the connections to Jim Jones. I wasn't there yet. I had only made one single connection, and people don't know this either. I'm <laughs> saying this for the first time, but at that po by that point, I had enough information that the people at the Jonestown Institute were excessively interested in learning more about William Branham. So we were on a first-name basis. I had them on speed dial, and it got very quickly, it got to the point where they realized that I had the information they were missing and vice versa. <clears throat> and whenever people would send questions to Jonestown Institute about William Branham. They they were communicating with me so that I could help them answer because they had no answers. And you were writing in to Jonestown Institute asking for help. They connected us, and then you and I got to talking afterwards. And I realized very quickly that the level of detail in your research was slightly better than mine, and I'm not afraid to admit that. You were diving in pretty deep. <laughs> and so we got to working together, and that's how we connected. And I, um, you know, like I say, it wasn't long after that. I, I was just so burned out, and I handed everything over to you. Honestly, not as a walking away strategy, but so that I could have you do it until I could find somebody and just walk away from all of this. But you did it so well, <laughs> and people liked it. On the one hand, people who were desperately looking for information loved it, and I started to realize I probably should have started wearing a wig or something because having the, the female with the long hair, it was just more entertaining than, than me. <clears throat> but then after, after a period of time, we started getting all of the – the cult drones who just squat on your site and all the comments and you're letting a woman preacher come on the website and why are you letting this woman preach and what do you say to this right <laughs> yeah i i really had no response to that because i had never spoken publicly in, in like a church setting like ever um i didn't know that youtube counted as preaching um I, I didn't think I was preaching anyway, but even if I, even if that's what I was doing, like there's all kinds of random stuff on YouTube. Certainly that doesn't count. But yeah. yeah, there was a lot of criticism there. And Emily, you've had a ministry for a long time. That's You mentioned that you were getting ready to go the first time. Maybe if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what you were doing. Yes, John. So I went over to Uganda and East Africa, served with Christian Veterinary Mission, and worked with some semi-nomadic cattle keepers in a rural area of Uganda and Karamoja, in an area where it is such an atmosphere that they won't even allow Peace Corps volunteers to go up there because it's a little bit rugged. Um, so lived up there 18 months and then moved down to the capital city um, of Kampala and taught at the university there for the remainder of my five and a half years in country. And ironically, uh, started working with the Africa Centers for Apologetics Research. I had connected with their um, U.S. president, the Centers for Apologetics research. Um, Paul Carden is his name, and uh, he connected me with the group over there, and there's over 600 churches um, of our former uh, religion. <laughs> and so if you name drop anywhere on the street, everyone has heard of Mr. William Branham. And uh, it was quite interesting. Did uh, student outreaches and met with some pastors leaving and uh, actually went and sat through a four-hour church service at a 
message church <laughs> in Karamoja uh, with minimal translation. That was a real joy. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good time doing ministry over there. And I was thinking when you were talking about your blues song, it reminds me of another uh, famous quote, and it's "With great power comes great responsibility." Um, that's in Spider Man. If you're a Marvel fan. But, you know, people ask, why do we do this? Why don't we just be happy? Why don't we just move on? Why do we have to say disparaging things about the prophet? And why can't we just leave well enough alone? Well, the blues song, Spider-Man, um, they, they kind of get their information from some other source. And that might be um, this says, uh, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. Uh, that comes out of Luke twelve forty eight. So I guess that's kind of my one of many driving forces uh, to keep opening my mouth and putting my face out there, much to the chagrin of my family um, and former friends still in the message. Um, ran into a relative in the post office just yesterday and uh, said relative, turned around, <laughs> didn't know I was standing there, looks at me and goes, oh, hi. And then just like hightails it out of there. I'm like, I can feel the love of Jesus just oozing out of your body right now. So I just smile, say hi, and go about my day. And, you know, uh, had the opportunity several times to have people come to me and say, hey, I'm glad that you're vocal. I absolutely hated your guts for many years, couldn't stand you, but then slowly my eyes were opened. I started seeing the discrepancies, and I'm really sorry that I hated you so much. And I'm like, great, I'm happy we're friends again. Let's talk. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> it's just so different after you've left for a period of time. I know that there's a lot of people right now. There's actually a mass exodus happening at this moment with the message, with the death of William Branham's son. And everybody's starting to realize, wait a minute, California didn't quite sink before. He died. <laughs> and there's a lot of people. You've got that going on. And then you've got the mass suicide in Kenya and, and what appears to be a connection we we're still investigating them working with the investigative reporters on that but thing just around the globe things are happening that people are realizing the end of day scenario that was the picture that was painted doesn't quite match and people are starting to wake up to this so there's a lot of new people new faces leaving and seeing people who have gone through the process of deconstructing which is the most painful thing it's more painful than leaving the message having to deconstruct and find your identity and then reconstruct that it's it's a heck of a lot of work but seeing faces that of people who have made it to the other side and aren't you know burdened down with all the pain i think is it is paying it forward it's helping people those people who are now going through the process now they have somebody to look forward to and and hopefully listen to the podcast and get some encouragement the other thing that's different and i won't have experienced this being a male but in the message the men did the chatting about the the topics of heavenly <laughs> heavenly enterprise right and it was usually a group of men i would be standing there and i can picture my father and i actually i can name all the names but it was this battle of brother branham said brother branham said no brother branham said and they would argue with each other because each one had their random set of quotes that contradicted the other guy's random set of quotes and they would stand around and it was like this battle of wits of brother branham said i don't I don't know if you ever saw this being female, but I can remember at least three churches where I witnessed this outside the doors of the church. And I, um, you know, I was, I was really young. I wanted to get in on the battle because it looked like so much fun, but I hadn't yet memorized those. But for a female, you weren't allowed to, <clears throat> you weren't allowed to really discuss things like this. And after you leave, you get into these, you know, stud, Bible study groups, etc. Jennifer has been crazy involved with all kinds of things 
more than like I can't even keep up with all the stuff that she's involved with. She's she'll just walk out the door. I'm gone. I'm going to this Bible study. Maybe if you could <laughs> tell people a little bit about what all is going on with the many different things that you're doing. For the past four years, I have been the director, well, the next gen director. That's the, they changed the name um, for community Bible study here locally. Um, today, they announced my, um, the person who will take my place. So um, it's sort of sad to see that go because it was such a big part of my life and I really enjoyed it. But, you know, we're entering a new, a, sort of a new season in our family. So um, I am, I have a job interview tomorrow for a part-time job. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. It's with Junior Achievement. And um, if you have had kids in school, you probably have heard of Junior Achievement. So um, I'm hopeful. You know, I don't know for sure that I'll get hired, but I would love to. Um, it's part time. So that'll give me a chance to continue with the other irons I have in the fire. <laughs> I also just started singing in the church choir first for the first time ever. And uh, I am also the director of children's ministry at my church. So that involves <clears throat> driving a bus over to the poor section of town, picking kids up, bringing them over to our church, feeding them supper, giving them a little Bible lesson and a craft, as many as people will do the craft, and, and then driving them back home before I take the bus back to church and get my car and come back to the house. <laughs> so <clears throat> that keeps me excited on Sunday evenings. So uh, that's kind of kind of what I have had going on <laughs> that and family family stuff there's always family stuff in every family stuff goes on all the time yeah the the changes in the family we can announce this to the world too we're expecting Jennifer to be around us more so <laughs> <laughs> things are things are going to be nice around the house we uh <clears throat> we've been quite busy all of us myself with the research and I don't know how she puts up with me because we'll be like watching TV and I've got my computer I'm researching I'm typing I'm writing books I'm doing all this multitasking while watching TV while talking about what the kids did during the day and trying to trying to be a father while doing all of this is sometimes a bit challenging and as you've may have noticed I've slowed down a, a good bit this year. We're doing the podcasts and a lot of the research, all of the research on Branham has, I've now shifted away from that. And now I'm looking into the Nazi stuff, which is highly fascinating. I'm, once I made that connection and we started going back and understanding where this thing came from, for me, that's that's more interesting than the Branham thing, and Branham's off to the side. So I got a little bit excited, and I don't have to work as hard because it was a lot of work taking sermon after sermon with contradicting life stories and histories and statements about what he did and trying to piece together out of all of these half-truths and some blatant lies. What What is the truth? That was a lot of work. Whereas, <laughs> sad to say, the Nazis, you can just go see what they said, and yeah, that's pretty much what they did. They, they were not good guys, but they were at least telling somewhat of the truth <laughs> about themselves. <clears throat> so it has made my life easier. But Emily, I'm curious. So you were in Africa for years and i only recently came to know that there are actually groups in africa where they teach the serpent seed doctrine and they teach the racial component to it in all of your time there did you encounter this uh in my time there i was not aware of that um so no i can't really speak into that part but i do know that um the message was kind of all about, at least in our area, getting members and putting numbers in the books. And it was hard as missionaries trying to do sustainable work in a community uh, to combat that because would you rather follow the religion of someone who is coming into the community and giving you trainings on how to start businesses, better care for your cattle, so on and so forth, 
Or would you like to go with Exhibit B, who is going to build you a free church and give you free bicycles and give you all sorts of things in the hopes of maybe going to America? (laughs) So uh, a lot of cultural understanding. They get all the yeses. They get all the raised hands. They get all the great photo shoots and all of these great things that can be written on their Voice of God website. But it's just kind of, you know, follow the money. It all comes down to follow the money and where am I going to get my next free thing from, unfortunately. So that's why it was great working with the indigenous leaders of the apologetics for or the Center for Apologetics Research because they could kind of navigate that a little better. And, and uh, But no, the, the serpent seed did not run into that over there. Um, but I do know there was a big issue with the with the Church of Christ of Latter Day Saints over there, because someone of color cannot be a priest, even though in America they've kind of tried to shove that to the side. Um, that was a a pretty big component that they did still teach over there, and that created some conflict in their in their circles in their high demand group. <laughs> So when you were there and they weren't talking about Serpent Sea, but they were giving them free bicycles, which, which is another funny story that I'm just not even going to touch that. I'll, I'll let it go. But did you see them having the battle of wits with the Brother Branham said this and Brother Branham said that? Uh, I They were speaking another language most of the time, so I don't know if they were having those battle of wits, but I'm sure um, given the cultural uh, kind of feel of of men's superiority, uh, I would say that definitely would have been a thing. Um, Knowledge is power and and the feeling of of ego and, uh, you know, just... I, I don't see how it didn't exist because growing up, that was part of actually, it wasn't discrepancies because the research did not exist really. Um, there was one individual online that had research when I came out back in 2001. Uh, so I kind of thought I was the only one that had these doubts, but I remember I was just this short, skinny little kid that nobody really paid attention to. So I'd hear and see tons of things. And when you're talking about men and the battle of wits, I remember, you know, the, are you saying before the seals or after the seals and seeing all this? And I'm like, if there is a God, like this is messed up and these people are not following because this is just ridiculous. And then also the little kid kind of lurking around and is a total silent introverted creeper, right? I remember one time being in the sanctuary and seeing the pastor going up to the tithes, offerings and missions boxes that everyone had so dutifully distributed their money appropriately so God would and and the pastor would be pleased with them and I just saw the pastor take out all three boxes in his hand and shove it in his pocket and I was just like whoa what did I witness (laughs) and then much much to my surprise when you go to one of these heathen denominational churches they actually at the end of the year present you with an entire spreadsheet of all the ins and outs down to the cents you know and it's not just like well you got to trust the pastor to pocket the money and get a new vehicle every two years uh but (laughs) so yeah follow follow the money but yeah overseas i don't know i wasn't i didn't uh, infiltrate the group that much i kind of stood out a little bit for some reason well being a collins i got to see some pretty weird things too and i was you know i was there for many conversations i'm certain that they are uh, they're curious to know how much I overheard because I overheard some good stuff. <laughs> not not all of which I have yet published. I'm I'm still thinking through how best to do that. But I also saw some weird things at the Branham Tabernacle. It was a tape only church, <clears throat> and this meant that every Sunday you would put on your suit and tie and you'd go sit down in the pew for like two and a half hours and my grandfather would come up to the pulpit and say hey brother press play on that tape player back there and um 
they would proceed to play the <laughs> the recording and if he didn't do that there were actually people that got violent and i'm talking physically violent and the deacons would have to carry him out because they didn't want to hear anybody preaching except for the dead guy on the recording from 1947 to 1965 so the I knew him because I I went to churches from Arizona to Georgia and everywhere in between. I went to this guy's church in Georgia, and I knew this guy personally, who was the physically violent man. So I <laughs> I got to watch him come in. I got to watch him be bounced. And <clears throat> then um, years later, I watched my aunt come into the parking lot during service. Now picture the service. Everybody's in the pews. They're listening to a recording. So the kids are counting all of the dots in the ceiling tile unless their parents let them bring a book in. And those who aren't fortunate enough to be able to bring a book or are bored with counting the ceiling tiles, they snore and they're they're sleeping. So you got this whole <laughs> array of children sleeping in the building. <clears throat> then up <laughs> up on the platform, you got my grandfather seated. He in his later years was also sleeping. And then you had the assistant pastor on the throne next to his throne and off times he was sleeping. Well, one time I was outside and I watched my aunt drive up and she'd had a fender bender. And she I watched <laughs> I watched her drive up during service. I was taking my son out because he was a little unruly. <clears throat> and she drove up, made a phone call, and one of the deacons came out and looked at her fender that had been demolished by some car well he goes in the, goes inside brings the whole deacon board out so everybody's like looking at her car scraping you know this thing is like it's dented in at least six inches and they're like wiping it what can you do about this dent at six inches well they go back inside they drag out my grandfather and the assistant pastor and at this point you've got the kids sleeping in the pews. You've got at least a third of the adults sleeping in the pews. The rest of them pretending to enjoy this guy screaming on recording. And not a single elder in the building. Not one. <laughs> you could tell everybody talking about the dead guy. You could tell everybody to say, well, you know, they slept through it. But I had him preach at my wedding. I mean, that's like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> She's saving that for the wedding episode. <laughs> Don't give all the spoilers out. You, you oh, guys have to. That is too good. Like, that is the most messagey thing that I have ever done in my whole life is have William Branham preach at my wedding. So it's going to be a it's gonna be a hit. Yeah, and my grandfather gave some great advice to my wife at our wedding, but I'm not going to bring it up on this episode because it's a doozy and <laughs> we'll let people <laughs> wait to hear, hear the real, like uh, Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. <laughs> When I went back, Emily, and uh, went through our introduction and you were talking about them talking about people being saved before the seals and after the seals and so forth, that brought back a memory to me when I was about, oh, probably 15 years old, um, someone brought the Perugia Doctrine to um, the local house church. Um, we were actually... I think I don't. Yeah, there was a, a man preaching in his home. Um, very rarely did they play tapes. But so this man came with his flip chart and he explained something about the inner veil and the uh, the outer court of the temple. And, and then everything had a date, I think, and a, a, a sermon by William Branham. And and that the whole gist of it was that I think 1977 was the cutoff date or something like that for, for getting saved. And then I was like, well, but you know, so I've got, I was born in 1970, but I've got a brother who's born in 1980. And I was, I was giving him some pushback because I'm like you, I was the weird kid who listened. And not only that, I was the mouthy kid who talked back <laughs> and, uh, oh no, you'll be all right. Your family will be all right because you know, you're, you're children of the bride. So, 
<laughs> yeah, they, they make up their little pet doctrines and they argue over their little pet doctrines and then they make their rationalizations for their little pet doctrines. And it's just, it's really just Gnosticism dressed up in modern clothing, prancing around on, you know, in, in the backwoods of, you know, Ohio <laughs> where I grew up. Well, and I had the blessing that the prophet guy gave to my grandfather all your all your children and your grandchildren will be saved so every single person who condemns me for what i'm doing the, their prophet said that i was included in this blanket statement of free salvation and it was i mean it was for some people who who got this i was not the only one it was like your get out of jail free card and monopoly right you go do whatever you want because you got your free ticket to heaven he said you're going to be saved so Go, <laughs> go smoke the cigars and drink the whiskey. We don't care, you know. <clears throat> I wasn't that way. I, I um, I actually was a pretty good little message boy, but there I do know some who got the same blessing and they just they went wild because why would you if if you got a free ticket to heaven? <clears throat> and so that's that's one of the biggest differences, right? The gospel that they teach and the message is a. It is Gnosticism, but it's more than that. It's an elitism. The people who were like my family, my only claim to fame. I was embarrassed to say this. I had this in a. Um, I did a one of the Our Stories interviews earlier today, and I was talking about why why I use the phrase cult royalty. And it's the first time it really clicked. You know, the only claim to fame we had is my grandfather knew William Branham personally. And so I have this cult royalty status because this one guy knew this other dead guy. And it's so embarrassing to say this, but <laughs> but that's what we had. <clears throat> and that was, it was so tightly linked to your salvation that even in this area, I was a little surprised when I moved here. I didn't know this was a thing. There's this whole be kind to the bride doctrine. In other words, your neighbor who has never, ever listened to a William Branham sermon, some of them who may be atheists, by the way, if they mow your lawn for you or they rake your leaves for you whenever you're struggling, they're kind to the bride and God's going to have a special place in heaven for those people. And it's just bypassing the the normal plan of the biblical plan of salvation right <clears throat> what was it like emily whenever you left the message and started understanding what is christianity what what was that like when you first discovered how different the two things were what was that like <laughs> you talk about uh, kind of the contrast and and Royalty. I have my own dead guy connection story. Uh, um, Ned Iverson of Augusta, Georgia, prayed for my parents to have a child because they had been married for many years and had no kid. And I'll leave the backstory of why I really think that is out of it. Um, so, you know, Ned Iverson sang on the tapes with Brother Branham. So he was, you know, it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon. We have the three degrees of William Bradham so that it's all good. So I was nine months later, I showed up and I was the prayed for baby. And apparently even before my parents told any of their parents that they were pregnant, they had to let Ned Iverson know. So um, I remember this one older lady, she'd always have to sit at the end of the pew and sit kind of near me. She was like weird, she smelled like Noxzema, and sometimes she had fleas on her, right? You know, it was just creepy. <laughs> and when we'd have our special services, she'd have to, like, drag me over and go, this is the little girl I was telling you about. So leaving the message, you know, I, I, I was remember when I was in my teen years, I asked somebody, how do I know that I'm saved? And they said, well, because you're, you know, born into the family you're born into and et cetera, et cetera, of course you're going to be saved. So I had zero idea. So I leave the message, start going to a local mainstream heathen denominational lodge church and, uh, you know, hear the name of the Trinity dare be uttered across the pulpit and there's music with a beat and bobbed-haired, makeup women all over the place. And then I hear the pastor preaching the simple gospel 
and the simple plan of salvation and, and teaching things out of the Bible that I thought we were the only ones who knew it. And then teaching other things out of the Bible that I see black and white right in front of my face. And I'm like, that is not what I was taught. Um, so I remember the night that I actually gave up doing life on my own. I sat down and shared some things with the pastor and his wife that I would have been judged terribly for in the message and uh, had great fear and or years earlier had said, I'm taking this knowledge and what I'm doing to the grave with me. I'm not telling anybody. And I simply remember the pastor's wife looking at me and going, it's okay. Jesus loves you just as you are, and you don't have to be somebody you're not. You don't have to clean yourself up. That's the Holy Spirit's work. So what was the contrast of growing up versus going and, and seeing a denominational church? I mean, there was, it's, it's night and day difference, you know. Um, God does work on your heart and, and things yeah, the legalism. Stepping away from the legalism and stepping into grace is amazing. And seeing cultural differences back when we were talking about whiskey and cigars. Can you believe there are Christian cultures in this world because of the culture they grew up in that they actually see American Christians as being weird that they judge people who use marijuana so harshly. I personally have no personal desire to try it, but to them it was like drinking a casual beer. They were like, I don't get Americans, you know, and here they're Christians. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa, okay. The world is way bigger out there than I ever had any idea of. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning, and it's fun, and I love to ask the questions and kind of – you know, rabble rouse people a little bit because it's not a black and white world. And what's it mean to follow God? I don't know. What's it mean in your life? I'll never forget. I was a little bit shell-shocked when I started working with Christians in other countries. As, as I began to research and piece things together, <clears throat> this is virtually untapped history because the biographers for William Branham have so far twisted the truth that Historians in other countries, they don't have access to what we have here. They can't go into the courthouse. And when I started working with them, I began to realize very quickly that Americanized Christianity is a it's a flavor all of its own. And it's not a flavor that other countries so much like or enjoy. Now, if you go into some of the developing nations where the cults have invaded and they've, you know, stamped their mark on developing nation society it's a bit different in those cases but like in europe or in germany in germany where the whole culture is drinking beer right they would they would be shocked to to know that they're not supposed to drink beer and we only have it in america because of the prohibition days and you know I, I did a deep study in and just drinking in general not because i want to i i actually don't enjoy drinking that much but my curiosity of well, why do the Christians in Germany drink beer and why do the, the American ones not? I was just curious what this was, why this was, right? So for me, just understanding the difference and why things came to be because of my curious mind, it sort of helped me put that as a chapter in my past. I don't have to think this way. I can, like I was with a minister in the blues bar listening to a band I still love, I can enjoy this and not have that monkey on my back that, you know, in, in the message I'd be like, number one, oh my gosh, I'm in a bar. I'm going to go to hell because I'm in a bar. Number two, there are people around me drinking. I should condemn and scold and be rude to every single one of them because That'll lead them to Christ, brother, if I can if I can insult them to their face. I no longer have to be that person, and I wasn't like that to begin with. I'm, I love people. I just can't, I can't be like this, you know. But, well, to wrap this up, I thought since in the, in the years gone by, people referred to Christie as the one who's ministering to the people. So I thought we would end with a sermon from Christie. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, anyway, <laughs> in this by talking about, you know, 
the the first episode of the show maybe christy if you could give a little bit of an insight as to what's coming and um talk about when how often you're going to be recording and dropping the episodes and what can the listeners look forward to we are going to be um starting the moving forward podcast um it's going to be the three ladies that you've gotten to meet today myself jennifer and emily we will be recording uh, on a bi-weekly schedule every other week um, the videos will drop every other wednesday um the first episode is coming out we've already recorded it it's um it's basically a, a casual conversation. We wanted to introduce ourselves to you a little bit more in depth than we, we have today, uh, give you a little bit more understanding of where we came from and how we came out of our high demand group. Um, and then we also wanted to give you a taste of sort of what we're going for in terms of the conversation. So uh, we're looking for, you know, casual, more um more personal experiences shared. Um, we hope to have uh, guests onto the show on a regular basis so that we can get more voices involved and um, new listeners can have a better understanding of how wide the diversity is for those of us who have left. Um, we're really, really excited to um, bring a podcast that focuses our energies on the female experience in a high demand group because unfortunately, High demand groups tend to make the highest demands of us lady folks. Um, so it's really exciting to, to get to share that with all of you. And um, I'm looking forward to, to um, getting some feedback, figuring out what it is you want to, to hear from us on and what topics would be interesting to you. So if you have any ideas for topics, please feel free to share. Um, we will take that and uh, probably run with some of those because we're still brainstorming ideas ourselves. And if you're interested in, in being a guest on the show, you can contact the ladies on freeandclearshow.com or you can contact me on william-branham.org and I will obviously forward it to my wife who is upstairs while I'm usually locked in the basement and, uh, you know, keeping <laughs> keeping all of, all of the things moving down here in, in the guitar room. But <clears throat> I, I usually end the show myself and I give some fancy spiel about how how excited I was to talk through it, but I'm going to let my wife Jennifer do this because going forward, moving forward, this is her show, and this is something that um, fortunately for the listeners and especially fortunately for the viewers, you won't have to see my face in this thing. <laughs> well, first of all, John, thank you so much for introducing us and um, putting us forward on your channel because um, that's just really kind of you. Um, and we just went to encourage every single one of you, um, wherever you are, um, wherever you land, just know that you will be able to continue to grow. Um, you know, you don't have to get stuck in a rut in any of the situations you find yourself. Um, just keep moving forward. Life will go on and healing will happen. So you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you will come out on the other side and you will be happy that you did. 